my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hey, welcome everybody to the Beach Commute podcast. Beach Commute, we are the premier digital nomad resource center. And we're also the creators of the Go Remote course, um, everything that you would ever want to know or need to know about becoming a remote worker and digital nomad. You can find us at beachcommute.com backslash G-R-E. Um, joined today, I'm Jeff Baker. I'm also joined by Marissa Medden and Diego Gerke. Did I ever pronounce your name right? I don't even know. No, I, mean, I no? literally, literally missed the, the biggest part of my name, with, which is Bejarano. It's, but don't worry. Well, well I didn't know I had Diego to say Berkey. all three of your names. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't go around saying, oh, I'm Jeffrey Christopher Baker. <laughs> <laughs> That's your middle name. This is my last name. <laughs> Yo, you have two last names. You know what? Yeah, yeah it's double. learning a lot today. <laughs> God, oh. we're actually friends, by the way, guys. We actually know each other. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> we don't go by last names here. Very casual. <laughs> we travel together, that. but we don't know each other. Not, <laughs> not in the least bit. Last names and is very, too formal. <laughs> and, and very fitting. We're going to be talking about all things. What is a digital nomad today? Um, how to um, understand your friends as a digital nomad. Know what their last name is. You know, very important stuff like that. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, we are going to talk about all things Digital Nomad today. We're going to talk about what is the history of Digital Nomad, um, things like um, different types of Digital Nomad, whether you want to be a full-time, partial, renting your house, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, on our next episode, it's going to be kind of cool. We're going to talk about some of the hardships that come with Digital Nomad. A lot of times people talk about, well, what, like, what are the negatives of being a digital nomad? What about loneliness? What about cost? What about where do I travel? So that's going to be like a part two. We're going to do a two-part podcast type of thing today. Um, but as far as today's concerned, let's just jump in and talk about what is, what is a digital nomad? Like, how would you, are you, can you even define it? Like, what, what would you even, what would you say a digital nomad is? I'm going to leave it Turkey. to Diego to define. Oh, that's, oh, that's <laughs> cheeky. All right. All right. Um, so in simple terms, my, my parents refer to my lifestyle as a digital hippie because they, they understand the hippie lifestyle from, you know, their times. And so they basically just made that digital, like add, an, a, la add a laptop to that, travel around the world, and there you go, you have it, right? So <laughs> a digital woman really is just a person who can, you know, work wherever they want to. They're working online. That's the digital part of it. And they're using that freedom that they have to travel the world with that, right? And that's really the lifestyle that the three of us, I guess, have been doing over the last, what, you know, five, six years now already. So, yeah, yeah. it's great. Another term I love that kind of helps to separate two different ideas of it there's location independent versus digital nomad. So, when someone is location independent, to me, that kind of gives you the opportunity to be a digital nomad. That means your job is not reliant. I'm being in any one location. So you theoretically could be everywhere, but you might decide to stay in your hometown and work from home, or you might decide to move to a different part of your country, you know, where your company is, but just 
you you have the the freedom and the flexibility. But to be a digital nomad means you're then taking your job, your computer, your work, and actually moving around to different places, different countries, different states, cities, wherever you want to go. So to me, it's really that movement that you're doing while you are working in your career. Yeah, so kind of what we're seeing over the pandemic year, year plus, was a lot of, I guess it would just be location independent, what you're referring to, right? Yeah. And then some now, people, now I think, started with, sneaking away and weren't, weren't telling. Yeah, <laughs> what's, what's going on? What's going on with that now? What's that look, starting to look like? Yeah, so many people now, so post-COVID, right now we're really at that point where some people are being forced to return to their offices. Some people are saying, I've lived the sweet life. I've had this freedom to work remotely. I could go to nearby beaches. My employers didn't even know. They're starting to get a taste of it. And some people maybe had permission. No judgments there. But now we're seeing this kind of, I think, split where you either are making the decision, do I go back to the office? Or there's been this whole boom of of some employers saying you have the option to or you're not required to, or some people just refusing to. And they're saying, I've, I've had a taste of this. I want a job that will let me work remotely forever. I'm not going back. So that's exciting to me. Yeah, I've heard it referred to as the great resignation. Somebody just said that <laughs> the, the other day. Re- yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, it's a big yeah, deal. Real? Like a lot of people are straight up resigning from their jobs because their jobs that. are telling them to come back in and they've already had a taste of yeah. 12 plus months with this. And yeah. all of a sudden they have time to work out again. They have time to hang out with their kids. They have like maybe a new opportunity to travel and work that they're starting to roll around in their heads. But like it's, it's coming on in a big way and we're kind of at a big pivot point right now. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. this is, I love Oh, Sorry, ahead, I was just going to add, this, this is a fascinating time, really, because we've been observing this um, with, with obviously the, the Wi-Fi Tribe community that um, that I'm running as well for the last, what, five years or so, right? And this is this this period of time that we're thinking, oh, it's going to take another 10 years maybe before, um, before this kind of thing was happening. And I was kind of thinking about it as a turning point, right? There's a moment where there is so many people who are working remotely, so many people who are location independent, that it goes from being an advantage for companies to allow you to work as a remote professional to actually being a disadvantage for companies companies who don't allow you to work as a um, as a remote professional and give you that that remote freedom um, because there's a moment where exactly this is happening you, you have this this great resignation a ton of people are saying well wait a minute you know this freedom you mm-hmm. you you've showed me well first of all I've showed you it's possible right I've been working from home and it's been working fine. Yeah. And now you're asking me to come back. You're forcing me basically to come back into the office. Um, and that that moment really is is when it's kind of like you're seeing this mass adoption. Of course, because of COVID, because of the pandemic, something that was meant to happen again over a decade, like really, really slowly. And we were going to you know slowly see that effect of it. It's just it's happening so quickly. And I think that's going to be quite a shock for a lot of these companies who then have to just say, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? Let's let's readjust so that we're not losing the best of our talent to other companies who mm. are allowing them to to take on this remote freedom, right? Yeah, it's almost like you've got two different camps of companies. You've got, and I've seen a larger, the first one, the typically larger organizations, a little bit more stubborn and they're stuck in that. <laughs> if you're present, you're productive mindset. Yeah, meanwhile, you've got employees coming to the office spending six hours a day on Facebook, but they're there, right? <laughs> so they're productive which is uh, we've proven to be not true. There are all kinds of studies out there that show people that are working from home are typically more productive, um, probably to, a, to their own detriment, as a matter of fact, Re- home so or remote. 
and, and then there's uh, the other camp that are seeing like the company that I work for. Um, they looked at it as like, okay, wait a minute. We've spent the last one year paying for rent in premium locations in Boston, San Francisco, so on and so forth. Um, and all of a sudden we see our company is functioning perfectly fine, yet I'm paying this overhead for no reason, right? So it's these are the companies that are really seeing the advantages. It's an advantage for their employees, and it's a huge cost advantage for them to let them work remote. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's one, there's one other little nuance here. There's also companies that will let um, people work from home, right? Obviously, this is something that's, that's been happening a lot now. Some of those companies will say, okay, you can work from home for certain uh, days a week, or maybe you can work from home permanently, but that will still not allow people to take that work to another country, right? To basically travel with that work. And that's also a big deal, right? Because it's, it's amazing already to be able to have that freedom to work from home. Of course, that changes your lifestyle already. You know, you're, you don't have to do the whole commute thing. It might be way better for, for, you know, family life or anything else that, that, that allows you to do. But if the companies then still don't let people travel, I believe that they're going to be seeing more and more of that kind of pressure as well. Because what happens when, uh, suddenly there's this boom of people who can travel with their work because the reality is that there are now a lot more of those people, right? They all go out there in the world and they start, you know, they're, they're exploring, they're traveling, they start posting all of that stuff on, on social media, on Instagram. And people are, people back at home, you know, before the pandemic, they would have one or two friends that are like, oh, this crazy person is always <laughs> traveling the world. What are they, you know, they've got something weird going on. That's clearly not real and clearly not, not an option for me. But now they're looking at their social media and it's not one person, you know, it's going to be five people. It's going to be 10 people. It might be 20 people that they know. And suddenly they'll feel like they're the odd one out who is stuck at home and stuck, you know, stuck with this, this job that won't let them, let them go or even worse yeah. stuck, stuck in the office. And there's absolutely no freedom. Right. So again, like it's, it is a, a fascinating moment to be, um, to be experiencing from that perspective. So I always call it the, the silver lining of the, of the pandemic when it comes to, I guess a revolution in the way that um, that the world of work is working, right? Like this is this is the yeah. first time we've seen such a massive shift in how how we're going to be experiencing yeah. work. It's neat to see when I think about pre-pandemic versus post. Obviously, the three of us have been traveling long before all of this happened, but I would do talks and things like that, or work and and do things remotely or on Zoom or this, and people just weren't familiar with it because they were so used to being in an office. And so now, to your point, they're definitely both of your points. There are many still, still companies that are stubborn or being slow, not fully letting the freedom go. But we've at least proven for so many people's jobs who are like, whoa, even I think a lot of employers were like, I never thought I could do my job remotely. Like I really thought I had to be in the office around people doing it. And while there might be benefits to being in the office or being around people or, or you know, different benefits of being in person, I think now the beauty is that so many more people realized, you know, after spending 12 plus months never stepping foot back into their office that while there are pros and cons to both, it is possible. So now mm. we have this whole explosion of at least people. We're, we're so glad to be talking to you guys today to see like, it's possible. We've been doing it for a while and now it's even more possible because so many, so many jobs that previously, you know, people thought they couldn't do remotely. Now you, you really know you can because you've experienced. So we're here to help you guys figure out and understand not only could you do that for, you know, 12 to 18 months, but like there's thousands of us out there you know, have been doing this for five, 10 plus years. Um, and, and we're ready to help you keep traveling while you do it. So it's a super exciting conversation. 
It's a good point. And every single day, there are more jobs than the previous day that allow you to work remote. Yeah, like, this so is true. Unprecedented. It's, it's moving more in that direction rather than the opposite direction. And we oh, see people from yeah. all kinds of crazy backgrounds of doing remote job. We've we've so got fun. a remote brain surgeon, right? Like I, I've never, <laughs> yeah, I've never met that person. Trips. I know that's that's an odd one. You have some of the odd ones like that, and we've we've got a. Um, I think she was a geneticist or something, or some bio biotech researcher, something like that. You're very I'm, official with your titles, Jeff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just reading it directly off LinkedIn, right? <laughs> uh, but, but to yeah, your I mean, point, yeah, there I, are a ton of odd jobs out there that before I started traveling, I was like, you do yeah, what no while you're traveling? I had no idea. So it's been, you know, there are definitely the common ones, which we, actually, if you guys are curious, you can always go to beachcommute.com slash it's the number seven jobs and we'll share a resource we have that's the seven most common jobs that we've seen in our community of a thousand plus people doing remotely um but yeah there's tons those are just some common ones like we have seen some crazy ones across the board that it's just so fun to see that people are prioritizing not only their career but travel and making both happen oh yeah i mean we've had professional poker players all the way through to electronic musicians. And I'm asking myself, you know, they, they come in with their DJ pulse and they're, they're mixing <laughs> something up in Bali. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and they're making like legitimate money off of this stuff. It's, it's amazing to see. Really. Yeah. The, the range of jobs right now is, is really just exploding. And we've, it's crazy to think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. We're going to see oh, yeah. these rarer jobs are going to be normal. They're going to be more common. Um, sure. But I want to take a step back real quick because we're talking about digital nomadism as it exists today, but it took a lot of steps to get to the place where it is now. Um, it actually started out with more of like, well, you guys can tell me a little bit about it, but like sabbaticals, expats, backpacking. I mean, as, as you understand it, what was the evolution of um, this this revolution that we're seeing now? Yeah, let's talk. I think Diego and I have two different experiences of the way we we thought we had to experience to start. So I'll let Diego kind of start with his background growing up and kind of a way that it used to be. I'll talk about some sabbaticals and, and working in other ways. But Diego, why don't you kick off of just kind of the old thought pattern of if you wanted to live in countries or explore different countries and around the world before the digital nomad was a thing, like what was that like? Yeah, sure. I think this is actually going to be really interesting for everybody listening in because we have such a different sort of background there and two very different, like I never did the the whole corporate thing and that's, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's super interesting. Um, when I was a when I was a kid, so I was about a year and a half old, my parents moved out of Germany for the first time. So I'm half German, half, half Bolivian. And that was, from that point on, we really started, I guess, that, you know, the traditional expat life, which meant two to three years, at least for us, it was two to three years in a different country. There are only really three types of people who were doing that kind of expat life. It was either uh, somebody was in the NATO, so that's military, or somebody was in the oil industry, <clears throat> uh, or somebody was a diplomat, right? And my my father was in the oil industry. And so those were the three people that we were, the three kinds of people that we were seeing at school, right? And that was that was our experience. So for the next, you know, for literally my, my entire childhood, um, we were just constantly hopping from from country to country. Right. So there you've got this big um, these big companies in this case, I guess, oil companies that would employ their people um, around the world, uh, sending them around. And that's the traditional version of the expat that I understood that I knew. 
right? And now, Marissa, I think you have a you have kind of like a different perspective on that, or, or basically how you sort of started. Yeah, but real quick, Diego, will you explain? Just like give us a couple of the countries that you lived in from the time you were like born until you were, went to university. Sure, sure, yeah. So I was uh, born in Germany, and then we moved on to uh, I want to say Venezuela. I, those first uh, years, you know, year and a half, kind of <laughs> hazy. <laughs> um, then it was Mexico, I'm pretty sure. Then we moved on to uh, Texas. I, I was at in elementary school when we were in Texas, so a year and a half there. Um, then back to Venezuela. And all of this was, you know, be before Venezuela um, became a much more difficult place to live in. Um, then we moved on to Norway, of all places. So then we sort of hopped out of Latin America. And yeah, then I ended up uh, starting my studies in Germany and finished. Oh, sorry, I totally missed Oman in between. So between uh, <laughs> Venezuela and uh, Norway, we had Oman for another year and a half. So after that, I then went to study in Germany for for a little bit. And then I finished off doing my studies in, in the UK. Right. And after that, that's really then when I went sort of full time nomadic, like moving, you know, a month at a time kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think it, even though I was not doing that as a child, I li I grew up in Atlanta in the U.S. and was there from the time I was born until I was 18 and I went to college in the U.S. So I was not traveling the world. This was not my life. I discovered this later. But as I entered the working world, so I worked at Pepsi. I lived in New York and L.A. Um, after college, I worked there for six years, but I kind of caught the travel bug. And there's, there's kind of two different ways, I guess, I was thinking of traveling. One was taking a sabbatical, and the other was that I had thought I had to quit my job and backpack. Or I guess there's a third, was seeing if I could transfer from, you know, Pepsi is a giant global company. They have offices all over the world. So I was like, maybe I could work in one of these. So that was actually my first try. I, I suddenly was like, I got to see more of the world. Like, I don't want to, I, I want to be somewhere else. But I was really into my career. I was, you know, into the promotions and working my way up the corporate ladder. And I didn't want to just quit and backpack the world, even though I would have loved to, but um, I didn't want to for my career. And so I started looking within Pepsi at job postings all the time. And I was like, I would love, you know, I would have had to speak the same language. I was like, okay, could I go to Australia? Could I go to London? Like, where can I go with Pepsi? But it was actually really difficult. It's not in their best interest to transfer someone to another country just for a year to come and go and it's expensive and there's all sorts of paperwork. So even though I tried to do that, it was never an option for me and that never happened. So what I ended up doing was taking a sabbatical for about two to three months. Um, and this was like four years into my company. And it was kind of by accident. I, had a, I was with a partner at the time who was moving locations. And I was like, I'm moving roles too. Can I take a break and travel a little bit before I start this next role in this other location within the US. And so it was a lot easier than I thought. I basically like signed a piece of paper as if I was like going on a maternity leave just without a child. I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is so much easier than I thought. Um, and I traveled to Israel and Greece and Turkey and Brazil and Peru. And that's when I caught the travel bug. I was like, okay, how do I see more of the world? But I went back to work because I didn't know another way. And I was just like, that's when I discovered all the research. I think I read uh, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. I was like, what? These people are just working from their computers and um, you know, going around the world. Like there is another way. And so for me, that's how I kind of discovered it. But I really had no idea. So we think about the old way of if you wanted to live or explore a different country while you still, you know, had a career, you were either moving around with the company as an expat, you were quitting your job to backpack or taking time off, or 
like finding a work and travel program where maybe you were getting paid to go like work on a farm in a country somewhere, but there was no career growth in that. So yeah, Jeff, I don't know if you have any, any other thoughts on that, but those were kind of the old ways before the explosion of the digital nomad life. Yeah, I, I guess mine started back in 2016. Um, I was actually visiting Medellin on a vacation. Typical, like, take a week and a half off type of thing. You get your three weeks a year, use part of it for travel. And I got there. I remember sitting at Al Alma coffee shop in Medellin. And <laughs> I was like, there with my buddy. And I remember saying out loud, like, I, I could live here. And he says, you need to take a sabbatical <laughs> and just come, come live here for like three months. Mm. I just, it naturally just, I was drawn to it. It was just a really comfortable, you could talk to that, Diego. Marissa, you haven't been to Medellin yet, right? Didn't I've done Colombia, but not Medellin. Not Medellin. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What kind the, of a digital nomad are rad. you? I'm the worst digital <laughs> I'm not a coffee snob like Jeff and Diego. Oh, my fair enough. Cities. <laughs> we are that. We are that. Uh, to a T. We will talk. We're going to talk a little bit about more We'll do about some locations. It'll be fun. On our next podcast. We've we got some cool, we've got some exciting locations to tell everybody about and some personal experiences with all of them. But my first oh, one was God. Medellin. It's just so easy. Um, so comfortable. The weather's perfect. Everything you need is there. Your fancy snobby coffee, all that stuff. And I was sitting there thinking, well, I could take three months sabbatical. And that was kind of the only option. I never really heard of digital nomadism or anything like that was available. I think if I even brought it up back then, it probably wouldn't have been available to me at, at my company. Yeah. Um, but then flash forward, I think maybe two years from then, I found Wi-Fi Tribe, which uh, Diego co-founded. Um, and they had a work a month there chapter where you could just work from exactly where I was at the coffee <laughs> shop that I was. And I'm all, oh, hot damn. I am jumping into that like today. And I interviewed You're the You're so next daring day. with new locations and stuff where you travel, Jeff. <laughs> got in the got in. <laughs> I love going back. To, I, I get, I get crap for this. I love going where I, I like where I like. And if I've been there, I want to slow travel it. I'll, I'll spend three months there. I'm totally happy with that. Um, <laughs> Went right back there. And uh, yeah, it, and that, that was the beginning of my digital nomad. But it did start with the idea of a sabbatical because I thought yeah, really that was the only thing that was available. And plus that was five years ago. So it was a, probably a little bit more common back then to, to be thinking in terms of sabbaticals and in terms of like logistics. Um, yeah, and so yeah but that, that was the beginning of it for me. To add to that, I mean, sabbaticals, I think, really is is one of the, the main ways that people kind of like get into this kind of lifestyle. Um, so mm-hmm. a uh, basically my, my best friend who's, you know, we, we've known each other since university. The two of us went totally different routes. I went over to the entrepreneurial side and he went like hardcore cor- corporate. He was an IBM um, doing that whole thing, like, you know, career, everything is just racing ahead. And then at some point he just decided he wanted to do a sabbatical, right? He, he, he was definitely mm-hmm. a super, he is a super adventurous guy. And he did a sabbatical and I was like, okay, yes, I think we've got him. Right. And so that was that like a, a year and he never, he never went back. He realized that that was, that was the turning we've point. We've got him. But That's a good trap. We, we did. Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he's a now good the trap. CEO of our company. Yeah, it was absolutely. Yeah. Um, t- it took me a little bit more convincing to, until he finally uh, did decide to, to hop in and help us out. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. But um, look, I think the point here is that what what it used to be like before is uh, you needed to consciously say, I'm going to put my career on hold or I'm going to just say goodbye to my career for a little bit and maybe I'll come right. back to it later. 
uh, and now I'm going to go travel. This is the the thing that I want to do at this point in my life. This is important. I don't want, I definitely don't want to, you know, 20 years from now, sit there and regret that I didn't make these decisions to travel when I had the energy, when I was young, when I felt like that was the right thing to do. You know, life is, is it happens in these, in these different stages, these different phases. And I feel that you have regret when you let one of those stages pass you by, because then you look back at it later and you just don't have, you know, as much as you say, oh, now I can do it, but now I don't want to do it. Right. And that's when you regret that you never did it before. Right. So mm -hmm. this is um, I think this is what then people do or what people had to do back then is put everything on pause and go. That is the really big difference that that comes with that idea of being a digital nomad. Right. The idea that you yeah. you can not put your life on on hold. You don't have to. You can yeah. literally keep moving forward in your career um, and you can do it all while you're traveling. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people would have to put their life on hold and they just do like, <clears throat> you probably have a little bit of background on work and travel programs. Um, people doing that, um, backpacking was really, really big. You just put your life on pause and go backpack through, you know, Latin America, uh, all the hot spots there where incidentally all the salinas popped up. So I'll get you get you fired up on that one, Diego. Oh, <laughs> um, but it's, I, I, I think we agree that... <laughs> There's <laughs> another trap. <laughs> I think we can agree that the, the space has changed like pretty substantially. And now we've kind of moved into a place where people, now that they are seeing the options and the, the people that we are seeing convert into digital nomads, um, they're doing it in one of a couple of different ways. You're either becoming a full-time digital nomad or I guess what do you call a part-time digital nomad. So people that still maintain a home base that they stay at at, at least a, a few months a year, right? And then we know other people that have packed up everything. They've sold all the stuff that they own, they put it in a shed, and they just go full on uh, living in Airbnbs and just like slow traveling from country to country um, or city to city. So like, let's, let's let me start with like pros and cons of so the audience understands the different uh, things that are available to them. Starting with part-time digital nomad, I think, because that's probably the most common route into becoming a digital nomad, just kind of dipping your toes in the water type of thing. Um, did you, uh, well, Diego, your story is a little bit different, but Marissa, you, you were kind of a part-time digital nomad to start at least. Yeah, right? I ended up pretty much going full-time, but with a thought of, like, I tried out part-time to start. So when I first left and decided, like, all right, I'm going to give this thing a shot. I've made it so I can work remotely. I want to travel. I basically left in September, and I had a wedding that was on New Year's Eve back home. So I kind of said September, October, November, December. It was four months. I had a con I still have the same condo that I um, continue to rent out. But I found someone who was willing to move in for just those four months, which was, it felt like a miracle at the time, but it's really not so hard. And so I moved out like all my clothes and some of my personal belongings into your proverbial shed into like my parents' little storage space. And I booked a one-way ticket to Bali, which is where I met Diego. And I said, I'm going to give this a shot. And so I, I did what I thought was going to be part-time. I did it for four months with the intention to come home. And for me, I thought that I wanted to do it full-time, but I wanted to give it like a little bit of a test. So at the end of the four months, I was like, okay, it's not a failure. Like if I did this and I hate it, then I still have my place to come back to. I have my home, like I'm comfortable, I'm good. And if not, then I will find someone to rent it again and, and keep going. So that was kind of how I did both. 
But I think it's really neat as I've now traveled and met so many digital nomads um, on the road. There's some people who mostly like the three of us are kind of gone most of the time, like going from location to location to location as the full-time nomads, just because we love this life. And there's so many places in the world to see and live and experience. But then there's some people that I've met, and this kind of shocked me, where they have their jobs, they like being at home, and they wouldn't rent out their place. They would just go for like a month at a time. Maybe they had roommates or something, but they would go for one week or sorry, one month or six weeks, and they would just go back home for another three or four months. And then when they saw another location they wanted to go, they would you know, again, save up some money to pay that double rent and go for a month or two at a time and then come back for another six months. So there's definitely ways to do it both. And I'd love, yeah, curious for you guys, as you've seen, what are some of the pros and cons to full-time versus part-time? Yeah. So um, to, to chime in there, I, in in the community, right? So we're now a thousand uh, remote professionals, right? So it's, it's a bunch of people. I've, I've spent sort of a month at a time with anywhere between 12 to 25 people. Um, so really had a chance to sort of see how different people are doing this. And there's a lot of people that are doing this permanently, right? So in the same way that we are as well. Um, but there is also a really good number of people who are looking at it more as this kind of like, you know, in and out and in and out kind of thing. Um, the extreme of that kind of like in and out thing is probably somebody who, who will uh, join one of our, our trips, say, for example, once a year, um, once a year, maybe twice a year, right? Um, and that's interesting to me because what it used to be, right? That That to me looks a lot like I am taking a holiday. Like we used to say, I'm going to yeah. go on a two week holiday or a three week holiday once a year. Right. But it's, it's already changed because now what you're saying is, well, I'm no, 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 I'm actually not going to go that holiday. I'm still going to take it and I'm going to go elsewhere and I'm not, not going to be working. But also throughout the year, I'm going to take this one month or maybe these two months where I'm going to be working from somewhere else. So it feels new. It maybe inspires you. It, you know, changes something up for you. Um, but it still, it still perfectly fits into your normal life and nothing changes it. And that's really, we've, we've done a bunch of focus groups with people from the community as well. We, we ended up coining the term, uh, was it Indiana Jones um, travel? Because it's uh, <laughs> like Indiana Jones apparently has his base. He teaches something as a professor somewhere, and then he goes off and does these crazy <laughs> adventures, right? Um, so that's kind of like, we're calling it Indi- Indiana Jonesing now. Um, but yeah, really, it's, it's honestly like, you know, it's neither, neither this nor that. It's entirely up to you how you, yeah. how you put it together. Mm-hmm. I think the what's most commonly understood as digital nomad is somebody who is nomadic, right? Which means that you are on the move all the time, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can, you can piece it together um, and really just yeah. take out as much time as you want. It really depends on what you value and what, yeah. like, what exactly it is. That, yeah. What exactly it is that you're looking for? Because there are very distinct pros and cons to each way of doing it. I actually outlined this whole thing. If you want to, I've got a long form landing page. It's beachcommute.com backslash full-time travel. It's full-time-travel. Um, that lines all the pros and cons of both. And there are some serious pros and some serious cons. They're completely, completely different for each one. So for me, I'm a partial part-time digital nomad. And the, the reason why I do it part-time, and, and a lot of times it's the same with, uh, with other part-time digital nomads, is that I've got a pet at home. I've got a dog at home. And so I like to, a couple reasons, like I like to visit my pet when I'm not, um, so I come home, recharge, visit the pet, spend as much time as possible, just kind of, you can get your bearings a little bit. Um, that's another thing. It gets a little tiring when you're on the road full time, waking up in a different bed frequently, not knowing where you are. It gets, it can, it can drain you a little bit. So for me, I like to spend about three to six months at home or so just to get that, 
knowing that I've got a place to recharge. I've got my own bed. I can visit my dog kind of thing. So for a lot of people, it's responsibilities is one. Recharging is another one, uh, which are very, very big positives. But the con that comes with that, Marissa, you mentioned that, is double rent. You pay mm-hmm. double rent. You know, when you're living at home, you've got you, you, you don't get to take your your credits and apply them to your travel. <laughs> you've got to pay double rent, which does sting a little bit. So you you're paying for you're paying a lot for a luxury, um, and which is a which is a very personal choice. And that's something that I decided to make because it's it's worth it to me, and it's worth it to be able to um, to have a pet. And, and then on the flip side of things, the people that do it full time. Some very big pros is the amount of freedom that you have. You can do whatever you want, a drop of a hat. Your friends say, hey, let's go to, you mentioned Bali, Bali two months. There is nothing holding you back. You don't have a pet to go back to. You don't have to go home and, and um, you know, uh, and check on your tenants or, or whatever responsibilities you have at home. You are comp- you're as free as you're going to get, right? I mean, wh- where's how much value can you put in that? I, at some point, I'd love to get to that point. Um, but it's just like, it's just not in the cards at the moment. Yeah. We're millennials, like, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is our problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Jeff, I'm similar to you in my mind. I like think of myself as a full-time nomad, but I have a, I, I'm like you. So I have a cat, not a dog and I have a, so a condo and a cat at home and where you are kind of double paying rent. I sometimes do that, but as much as I can, I try to have my condo rented out. So when I'm gone or when someone rents it, then all those months I am gone. I try to do as much as I can. But for example, I have someone in the film industry who was there for like six months and then he was gone for two months. So I came home during those two months. And so it definitely limits my freedom. And it's something, you know, I wish I, I, I would never tell my cat, don't, he's next to me now because I am back. But um, it's hard. It, it definitely, it requires me to be home at certain times. And I come back because I love to see him too. But then I get someone to take care of him and pay that rent by rent you know i make money actually renting out my place while i'm gone and then i hit the road again so in an ideal world i I would not have two of those things holding me back but they are the realities and i think it's great diego has all the freedom in the world we're both jealous but um i think it's it's great to hear the realities of it because there's all different situations of whether you have a pet or parents you want to see at home or family like if you decide that you want to travel the world, you don't have to be gone for 12 months and forever and ever. You can decide to come and go and come and go however you please. A lot of people will go home and stay with their parents for a month or two at a time, which has its limitations as well. But you also save money and pay no rent sometimes those times. There's all different ways to do this. Yeah. So (laughs) Marissa, I might have the solution for you there when it comes to cats. Uh, I've been talking to somebody (laughs) over here and uh, it turns out she has fully automated, um, taking care of her cat and raising her cat remotely. It's impressive. So the cat has a litter box (laughs) that sends um, notifications every time that the cat poops. Um, The cat has an automated feeding machine. And I think she's currently working on how she can automatically fill up the water as well. If you think about that, like as long as the apartment's big enough, job done, right? Obviously there's parents but coming no, in. But no, loneliness. <laughs> oh, needs attention. Loneliness. <laughs> I'm sure there's so many other things that are not being considered, but it was impressive. We were on the on, on this jungle trip just, uh, just this weekend and there was absolutely no internet connection. But for some reason, the litter box was still going off as she was uh, hiking down into the jungle. So she was like, look, as long as the cat is doing that, what? we're fine. It's alive. It's doing all right. Crazy. <laughs> what do you do with that notification? Okay, great, my cat pooped. 
Like, what do you do it, now? It, it puts your mind at ease. It just makes you think as long as it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't. Okay, so, well, it's not going to clean it. It's not a why you're just telling me this. It, it probably is at this <laughs> point. I mean, and loneliness, we can, we can create robots for that. I am definitely, <laughs> you know, going off track. Here. Well, so you were saying those two, two, three weeks uh, or, or two months at home. That's what I do, right? So I've got one or two months that I go back uh, to meet my my parents to see my parents. That's usually around Christmas. It's a good chance to see them there. And apart from that, it's literally just month by month living in a different place. I try now to slow down as well after five years of doing it like this at this pace with with the community, right? And with a lot of people, I now try to be in a place for maybe two to three months at a time. Um, but it really depends, right? It really depends on where the next uh, trip takes us. Yeah, that's a great point, Diego. Maybe we should kind of transition into what you mentioned of like slow, slow travel versus quicker travel. I know when I first started, I was like guns blazing. I got all the places to see. I joined some Wi Fi chapters. You go too to fast. You travel too fast. <laughs> I get, we have different opinions. You're now. objectively wrong. You need to travel slower. <laughs> objectively, that is your opinion. But it is interesting. I, I have learned I need to slow down. When I first started, I did spend six weeks in Bali with Diego and then another four weeks in Thailand or maybe five weeks. And then for the next two months, I was like, all right, I want to get to Singapore and Cambodia and Laos and Vietnam and all these places. And I went really quick. So for me, and this is what's also cool. Everyone has different opinions. And I think the longer you do it, the, the more you realize you need to slow down. But what I personally like to do is spend kind of like four to six weeks in one place. And then if I'm yeah. far away, I might kind of hop around for two weeks to like visit a couple of different countries or different place I want to see and then find my next place to slow down. And it's yeah. important because if I think about um, when people people ask me about travel, and they're like, isn't it exhausting? Because they think about vacation and the way that they live. And when you're on vacation or you're backpacking, typically every day it's like, all right, I'm in a new place. I got things to see. I have sites to go to, like got to fit it all in. But when you slow down, you're there for a month, like you, you're working Monday through Friday. You really do have a job, even though people don't always believe us. And so it's important to slow down. And I think just for your physical and mental health too, to like, find your gym, get your exercise routine, like find those restaurants. If you're Jeff and Diego, find your coffee shop, you know, whatever it is to make you feel at home. Um, it is important. And I have learned boys, I do slow down now, but then I like to quickly speed up and see places too. So some people love to go and spend three months in a place. For me, I like to move a little quicker. Diego has is like, you know, I think you said two months is maybe your sweet spot. I know you've even looked at slowing down a little bit more too. But yeah, curious, both of you to share your thoughts on slow versus quick and what that means to you. Yeah. Well, Marissa, you, you've done more countries than than I think both of us combined, which is bonkers because I've been traveling since I was a year and a half old. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you're doing something right. Because I love to see all the new places where Jeff likes to just settle into everywhere he's already been. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that, right? We like our cafes. (laughs) (laughs) To each their own. That's what's so fun. I hope anyone listening is is understanding. Like you can have different ways to do this and make this life however you want. 100%. Yeah. And that, so one thing as well, I think that you're going to realize is just as you go along, right? You're going to start out gung-ho. Uh, and try try to go as quickly as possible. I think I think most people have that kind of perspective. But honestly, I really really recommend that even if you're starting to consider taking at least three weeks in a place, um, I would really really say a little bit more, especially in those early months where you're trying to prove just to yourself that you can be productive, where you yeah. want to make some connections locally, maybe you want to make some other connections of other people who are doing this as well, living this kind of way as well. Obviously, you also want to spend your weekends, you know, exploring the place, actually traveling. 
And then you have to spend your week weekdays working. Like if you add all of that up, where are you going to find the time to, you know, plan your next flight, plan all of your next, you know, itinerary, all that stuff. Right. So I'd really recommend, especially in the beginning, slowing down until you've kind of like caught the, you know, caught that, caught that wind, like you figured it out. And then you can always say, okay, let me try a bit faster. If I like it, then, you know, you can keep mm. going a little bit at that speed and, and just, you know, take it. It's like, it's like they always say, listen, listen to your body, right? What's your body saying? Slow down. If you need to slow yeah. down speed up, if you really want to. Um, but with time I have seen, you know, just looking at those, those thousand members in our community um, I've, I've seen them go through these journeys, right? It's been five years now. Um, and there's many people that are still in that journey as well. But I do see people with time slowing down a little bit more and maybe spending, you know, two to three months in a place, right? So that does, mm. that's, it's really up to, up to each, each person. Yeah, I, I think there's, again, there's pros and cons to everything. But in this particular instance, the pro of fast travel, it's just exciting. Like, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, you're, you're constantly seeing you're these places on going on and... <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to agree with Diego. And I, I think that for those listeners that are just starting out, it probably makes sense to go a little slower because there's going to be, assume with your work, everything is going to go wrong. Like you have to figure out where the Wi-Fi is. You mm-hmm. have to figure out where are good places to work from. And that's going to be a real consideration. Like maybe you're you're going to find out your Airbnb has got construction next door and all of a sudden you can't work there when you thought you could. And then mm-hmm. you have to find, just assume that your work is going to go haywire and it <laughs> might take you a week to get comfortable to figure out where the good spots are to work, where you can get good Wi-Fi or fix the Wi-Fi in your Airbnb. Um, and trying to do that every single time you move is going to be exhausting and it's going to burn you out pretty quick. So like, it, my, my suggestion for just starting is, you know, find a place comfortable. Again, we're going to talk about good starting points for digital nomads uh, next week. Um, we've got some really easy spots to go into that we're going to talk about. Um, and I would probably recommend starting in one of those places just to make your life easier to start with. Um, and then as you get more comfortable, you can probably start to bounce around, especially in the weekends. You know, there's, there's nothing says you can't just go to two countries in one weekend. Why not? Right. Yeah. So one piece of advice I always give to anybody who's, you know, joining this kind of lifestyle for the first time. You've got this freedom. Um, you've been given this this freedom by your, say, your company, your boss, uh, your manager. And it's your chance in this first month, these first few months that you're out there to really show them, to really prove to them that they didn't make a mistake, right? Or that you can actually be even more productive when you're on the road than when you've been working uh, from the office. And I think that's a really big deal because that's what they're going to remember, right? If later, like, yeah. you know, productivity ebbs and flows, you can always pick it up and you can always make sure that you're you're yeah. catching up on things if you have to. But what they'll remember is that first month or those first two months and, you know, the output that you had in, in that uh, in that time. So I actually re- recommend that people work even harder when they first get on the road, which is kind yeah. of counterintuitive, right? Cause you're, you're going out there, you're like, woo, I'm free. You know, I can finally go and do these <laughs> things, go to these countries, do all those, yeah. things, you know, and you're, and you're, the temptation is really, really big to, to just, just go nuts. Right. And do, do all the things. Basically my, my recommendation is to try to push back against that temptation a little bit, especially in those first months and allow yourself that time. Um, because what you're doing there is you're, you're laying those foundations for you to be able to do this for the long term. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good point, Diego. I think something I didn't even think about before I went is that, but what both of you are saying is that it does take time to like get things figured out and you want to go 
over the top, especially if you are an employee working for someone and you've just gotten permission to do this, you don't want to mess up and be like, sorry, I just got here and I don't have Wi-Fi and I, I can't join the meetings today. So to take it easy to start and really understand that is helpful. And I think as I, as I think back to before I started living this life and into it, what I didn't anticipate is kind of the joy of just actually living somewhere in a new country. So in my head, when I used to think of travel, I thought of it like vacation. So I was like, what are all the places I want to go to? Where do I want to see? What do I want to do? And I never really experienced living somewhere. So the kind of unexpected joy for me, would, and I didn't really understand the lifestyle before I started, was that working Monday through Friday, it was like you still had the nights to go and, you know, explore. I think Diego and Thailand, I think back to the, you know, street, the night markets that we'd go to for dinner or the different, you know, restaurants and things like that. And just to live like someone was living in Thailand there, just for example. And then on the weekends, that was really your time to do those, you know, typical things that you have in mind of when you go on vacation, you can go on little weekend trips or save those big activities for those weekends, but really just enjoy and get used to like, what is it like to live in a place Monday through Friday? How do I find, yeah, just my, my daily routine. And that's something that when I think about my friends who don't live as digital nomads, who have been placed on vacations, you're, you're kind of missing out on, on that fun. And so, yeah, slowing down, I'll give it to you guys. It, it does have its perks. You get to kind of feel like a local, which is really cool. Mostly, yeah. I love that it, you're saying that because it's um, like, that's something that's just, it's so much, what this lifestyle means to me that I've literally yes. forgotten that I care about this. And as you were talking yeah. about this now, I'm like, yes, that is, that is the whole point. Is it's the feeling of being a new place, living yeah. in a different place, right? L literally yeah. living in a different place. And that is so different. You don't get that if you're there for two weeks, you don't get that if you're there for three weeks, you start to get that if you're there for four weeks, but it really, you know, it's really, if you can stay there for a while, you're going to feel what it's like um, to live in that place. Right. And the more, the longer you stay, the more you're going to assimilate that. that is, it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. That idea that you I can think back to, um, it totally is. I think back to one of the longest places I've ever stayed is in, in Playa del Carmen in Mexico. And I've been there for kind of two to three months at a time, which is like a, a lifetime for, for Marissa travel. But it was really neat as I think back to it, like there was a food delivery system and, and like from a local person that like a local person told me about, and I joined like a local stand up paddleboard place and a local boxing gym. And it's like, I had all of my places that I just never, you know, you, it, it takes time to like run into a person to give you a suggestion to find out this to do that. So yeah, that's kind of one of the pros. Again, I, I like to speed up sometimes too, because I really do love to like get to new countries and see new places. And there's just a lot of the world to see. So I get I get the FOMO of the world. It's a problem. So I try to balance yeah. the two. And for me, that's one of the hardest parts of being a nomad. Everyone has different you know, pros and cons and hard and easy things about it. For me, I'm like, all right, how do I balance like wanting to see the world with getting to know a place and getting comfortable? And it's a constant battle in my mind and I still mm. work on it. But um, yeah, it's, it's really, I love hearing everyone's different thoughts on it. But you're a, you're a veteran traveler at this point. So you've got a, a pretty good feel for what you need to do to be, yeah. what you need to do for yourself personally to keep your, your physical mental health up while traveling quickly. Yeah. You know, you know how to handle your job, you know, you've got backup Wi-Fi devices. So you're, you're able right. to handle that. You know, it's just, it just takes so seasoning to figure out how to do this, how to do that yeah. properly. And like yeah. you, Jeff, I also go home for a month or two at a time when just things happen or my, my condo or my right. cat needs someone to watch. And to me, that is my time to like, 
reset yeah. when I go back. I'm a very social person. And usually for the first week or two, I'm like, I can't talk to anybody. I need to sleep. It's yeah. good to be in my home and not see yeah. new things. So yeah, it, it does take that. a toll on you for, I know to take a look at that. Um, so it takes a toll on you and you do have to learn when to just kind of reset and rest. And even if you're not going home, I know people who will just say, okay, I'm going to go to this location where I don't know anyone. I'm just going to spend two weeks like in a hotel room. I'm, I don't really want to see anything maybe besides a pretty view out my window and I'm going to rest. Yeah. So you really do have to learn how to take care of yourself on, on the road because it's a lot of stimulation, a lot of newness and, and um, mm -hmm. it can take a toll if you don't learn. So I think Diego, as yeah. you mentioned, just like, okay, start out slow. Fine. Um, but yeah, do spend a month or so. If you're just giving this a shot, you know, if you've taken our course and get a remote job and, and hitting the road, um, it'd be great to go somewhere for at least a month at a time, just to see what it feels like to slow down yeah. and live somewhere. Especially if you're trying to work a full-time job, like we were talking about, before you really have to overcompensate that first month you have to be yeah. available all the time and just yeah. because people have it in their minds that like okay you, you mentioned playa del carmen they just imagine you on the beach with a mojito <laughs> they don't think you're working so you, yeah. you have to go over the top to show yeah, them how available. much extra you're working how good your internet connection is how available you are all the time um, yeah, there's a lot. I did a lot of research into it. I, I, there's another resource that, page that we have on beachcommute.com. It's Beach Commute Full-Time Jobs, F-U-L-L-T-I-M-E-J-O-B-S. And it's a full resource on how to work a full-time job while traveling because that's an area that I've specialized in. I've worked for a company and I've learned exactly how to not do it so that you know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've documented everything that I've done wrong. You don't want to see uh, naked people chasing a greased up watermelon into a pool in the background of your camera. Did Nobody that actually happen, Jeff? It has happened. It's a different podcast. <clears throat> Maybe podcast 27. Let's warm up the crowd before we get to that point. Fair, fair. Yeah, we can't start <laughs> There's a lot you got to watch out for. And we, we got a lot of stuff on recently. Yeah. Do check that out. Um, that does bring me to the last segment that I want to talk about is um, like different types of employment. I just talked about working for a company which is uh, what I've done over the past um, some odd years that I've been a digital nomad. But then there's also, we know a lot of people that are uh, freelancers. They'll pick up jobs, yeah. um, pick up online jobs, a lot of writers, things like that. Well, kind of across the board. And then we've got a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs as well. People that have probably started at an organization, but decided to go off on their own and, and become mm -hmm. their own bosses and, and travel. And, and there's, there's positives and benefits to each one of those too. Um, so let me, I'll just go around and, and kind of, I want to start with you, Marissa, because you've, um, you've kind of gone through the whole gamut of this <laughs> different career <Yeah>. types. <laughs> um, and at this point you're, you consider yourself an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love this too. And, and I've done a lot of career coaching for hundreds, you know, thousands of people, if you count all the group coaching that I've done who are interested in and in starting to live this digital nomad life. And so we like to break it down into those three kind of categories. So if you are not yet living as a digital nomad and you're just thinking to yourself, like, how do I do this? There are really three main types, as Jeff said. So think about an employee where you are just hired working for a company. And this is really just the most reliable way, the easiest to get started because you know you have a paycheck coming every you know two or four weeks or whatever that is. And there's so much else you're trying to figure out while, while, you're, while you are traveling um, that it's just easy to say, all right, I got the stable job. I know where my income's coming from. So that's number one. 
Number two is to work as a freelancer where you are, think about like Fiverr or Upwork, the kind of online job sites where you might say, hey, I'll do graphic design or um, writing for you or edit you know, do video editing or something like that. And then there's entrepreneurs. So you probably see most of these on social media, people who have started their own companies and therefore have the freedom to live and work wherever they want. So I started in the corporate world, um, as I mentioned earlier, and I kind of got started after that sabbatical. I negotiated to work remotely for two years. I wasn't doing as much international travel, but to me, I was like, whoa, I have so much more freedom. I could be in a different place and I don't have to be in an office. So that was kind of the first way. And if you're interested, again, this is kind of like we say 101 to digital nomad is get hired to work remotely for an existing company. And we have a course that teaches you exactly how to do this. So if that's something you're curious and want to dive into, um, definitely check out beachcommute.com slash GRE. That stands for a Go Remote Employment Course. And we love to help you figure out like, what is that right job for you? What, you know, how do you, how do you, where do you find the jobs? How do you do all of that? How do you negotiate these terms? So all of that's in there, but people, you know, who want to do the freelance way, there's definitely freedom in that. And the entrepreneur route is really great. You, you know, you can work on things that fill you with joy. The three of us right now with Beach Commute, you know, this is an entrepreneurial thing that the three of us started together because we're so passionate about the nomad life and helping people. But you don't know when you'll, you know, start making money. Diego's got some fun stories with entrepreneur world. Um, it can take two to three years before you can, you know, financially oh, yes. sustain yourself and <laughs> and then start traveling. So it's helpful to think through those. And I've talked a lot. So you guys jump in. You know, it was actually uh, freelancing right before I did did Wi-Fi Tribe. Yeah, um, yeah. That's well. I mean, it was no. it was very long. But I was doing like three three months or so of freelancing as a as a marketer, and that was um, that was basically when I like took all of my startup life and just like <laughs> threw it over the cliff because I'm done with this. This is <laughs> this is crap. Like this is not fun. Um, I had all these dreams of traveling and and just look. I was just you know as as a, the classic startup kind of thing. Um, I think all the the different startup communities and the governments and all of them have been drilling into your mind that this is what you should be doing so that you can fuel the economy again. Like they have their own agendas, right? And so they definitely drill that into my mind. And for three years, it was agonizing. <laughs> um, and sort of being at the end of those three years without really having anything to show for it, like my bank account was, I was literally just, I was scraping. My, it was nuts. It was nuts. I was in, in uh, Cyprus, but you know, I was living off watermelons at that time. Um, and that was, that was, I, we had Great lots of watermelons. Cause I was just... <laughs> What's that? Right. No, that we, no, we I said greased watermelons by Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that comes later. Was that Diego in your video, Jeff? <laughs> we didn't have, have, episode we didn't have 27. We're not ready. We're not ready. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to get there too soon. <laughs> but yeah, that, no, that was a, that was a tough time. And, and I, I kind of realized, um, the, the thing that I really needed to do next was to just figure out my lifestyle. And that's when I hopped over into freelancing. I guess I kind of also didn't realize that that was going to be quite tough too. It, it does take a little bit to find the clients. And the tricky part maybe with freelancing more than anything is that, you, yes, you can work on things that you really enjoy. Well, there's two tricky parts to it. First of all, it's that um, you will be kind of like an auxiliary part of a team. So you'll help out here, help out there, but you won't really be fully part of a team. And that feels like over time, that feels a little bit more lonely than if you're really in the team. And the second tricky part is that nobody is paying you for you acquiring customers, right? Yeah, once you've got a customer, yeah. everything works out well, but nobody's paying you for doing the whole like and the, the taxation, the you know, accounting, all that stuff. Like nobody's paying you for everything that is the business side of being a freelancer, 
right? Uh, Wi-Fi Tribe, by the way, just happened as an accident. Like I was not going to start another startup. That was not the idea. <laughs> it was literally just a lifestyle thing. And then, you know, five years later, here we are. Um, <laughs> but but that's that's a whole other story. I think there's a there's there's time for that later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I can only I can only second what you were saying, Marissa. It's it is definitely I wish I had started that way. I wish I'd hopped into a startup that in my case, I really wanted to get into startups, into a startup that would let me work remotely. Um, there's so much to learn there and you have so much freedom around that. And then you can always make different moves from there, right? Like it just opens up so many things. Yeah. And Jeff, I think you've got the most experience of all three of us actually continuing to work for a company, be an employer yeah. while you're traveling. So can you share, yeah, your experience of what, what that has been like? Jeff is the only employable if- one of us, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys know me well too, way too well to say that statement. Um, yeah. So like you mentioned, I've been working for the same company for a good eight, eight and a half years now. Um, I started off as a account manager, digital strategist. Um, and then I've since moved up to CMO of the company where I've, I've been CMO for the last couple of years or so. So what does that mean? That means I'm taking three, four hours a day on phone calls, which is a hell of it. Anybody that's worked and traveled knows that's a hell of a challenge. You need quiet space. You need you need really good internet that doesn't drop off, right? So that means you're going to the coast. You got to you got to watch out for watch out for blackouts where you completely lose your calls because that looks terrible. So it's um it's it's taken for me um a lot of planning. It takes a lot of planning to ensure that you're available and that your internet is really strong. So like that's probably the biggest thing is strong internet. So anywhere I travel with, I've got backup plan on a backup plan on a backup plan. Like I know where the Selena is. I know where the good coffee shops are. Sorry. Diego. Sorry. What was that? I know I've got nothing. Uh, I was talking about my, I've got a my fi device. It'll always, um, <laughs> that'll always uh, cover me in a pinch so that I can have those video calls. Cause I, ha- I have to maintain a good professional presence. It has to seem like I'm working from home. It has to seem like I'm working from an office because people still don't get it yet. The people that you're working for or with, and in my, in my instance, I've got employees that work under me. I do not want them to see tropical plants in the background. That doesn't look good because they don't understand like, yes, while I'm in a, a beautiful location working, I am in fact working and I'm working oftentimes more hours than I would if I'm working at home because I'm surrounded by other people who are also very, you know, inspired and working as well. But the appearance is, is tough because people just see that and they just assume that you're on vacation. So I have to put a lot of care into like where I'm seen working, um, the quality of the internet, the phone calls being, being available all the time. So like the recommendation that I would have for anybody doing what I do is just make sure that you really plan ahead and you have to have, you have to have backup plans for your internet. You have to make sure that you've got quiet spaces um, to work from before you get there. Um, so while that sounds daunting, it is fully doable. I've been doing it the last few years um, with only a few mild hiccups just because I did plenty of planning. Um, but it really, really is important. And like we mentioned earlier, uh, when you first go off remote working for a company, you have to nail those first few months. You have to prove that you can do it and be super productive because then anything that happens down the road after that, they're just going to assume it's some random you know, like your internet drops, that happens at home too. You already proved that you can do it. It's going to be like, oh, that's kind of random. He, you know, 
never usually has that kind of problem. Um, so really, it's just being super organized your first few months, and then just just being um, just being on top of your internet and your workspace. Yeah, you know? I feel like there's a an episode um, I, in there. Sorry, there I had, we, we should at some point do an episode about uh, yeah, everything like internet, How to Wi-Fi. Find Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly, that'll be a great one. We could do that. I mean, we could we could do. Uh, we could do an entire episode on equipment, digital oh, remote. Easily. Yeah. Diego, Gosh, I know like you in particular job. would love that one. <laughs> this is basically what I do for a living. I'll let the two of you geek out on that one. Versus <laughs> <laughs> already tapping out. You're but it is a joke, but it is so important. I think to your point, you can hear as Jeff is talking the things he didn't mention specifics. And I think we'll do a whole podcast episode on it for sure. Cause even as I'm listening, I, you know, we've, I, I forget how much we've learned along the way and can, can help to say, you know, like when you say, I plan ahead, I prepare, I avoid these spots. Like if I yeah, were to interview it, you know, like, oh, yeah, what does that mean? You don't have to answer now. We'll get into it. But like, how are you preparing? How do you know the difference? How do you figure out ahead of time? What devices do you have? So we'll cover you guys on that, but just know that um, it is possible. It is absolutely possible to, you know, be secure mm-hmm. and have it really, I think Jeff, as you nailed it, like this first few months, how do you really show up as an employee as if you are just working from your home and then down the road, if there are those minor things and it's like, Oh yeah, it's, it, that's okay. You don't have to freak out because it's, you're not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, definitely a lot to go through. And I am on the, I'll give you everything because I'm on the far end of the neediness spectrum in terms of quiet oh, space that, that needed, so needy. internet. I'm, I'm pretty, when it comes down to work and travel, I'm pretty needy for my for my work stuff. So I've, I've got a lot of tips. We could do, yeah, we could do a whole podcast. Yeah, so definitely with my particular job, I'm on the more needy side of needing quiet spaces good data, um, all that kind of stuff. So just so you don't, those out there who are feeling like, I probably couldn't do it with my job. I'm on the far end of the spectrum where I'm taking video calls all day long. And there is something to, there is always some sort of tool that it can help you make sure that you can do that. MiFi devices, there's websites where you can look at um, like cellular coverage maps that you can see specifically where you can go and your MiFi device will cover you. You can use nomadlist.com to figure out the average internet speed. Um, there are actually tools where you can look at download speeds in coffee shops, which is pretty awesome too. Um, so if I can make it work, uh, pretty much anybody can make it work. I'm on the, yeah, he's the really needy. of that. I'm still learning new things from you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know all these things existed. What have I been doing? <laughs> Through force, I've had to learn these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we're coming up on the hour mark here, so it's probably a good point to wrap um and um look forward to next week we're going to talk about some really cool stuff um we're going to talk about some of our favorite places we're going to make some recommendations on some awesome locations where you could start as a digital nomad and maybe share a few stories some of our favorite um uh, uh places that we've gone with it within those locations um and like why you should go there and we're also going to give you some heads up on some of the hardships that you could possibly run into, um, language, cost, do you think Wi-Fi, which we've got into. And we've got a lot of tips on how to avoid that before you even get into that problem. 
Um, so uh, between now and then, check us out. We are beachcommute.com and we've got our course that we talked about earlier, beachcommute.com slash GRE. Um, and then we've also got some resources um, that can help you become um, a better full-time traveler, um, how to become uh, a, uh, sorry, sorry, there's a, how to become a full-time traveler and then how to work a full-time job while traveling, which we talked about here today. All that's on beachcommute.com. Awesome. All right, Marissa. And we can put everything in the show notes too, yeah? What's that? So we can put everything in the show notes too, all the yep, links. of course. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Marissa Diego, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks, see you guys. Next time.